Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning and welcome to worship at Asbury. We are continuing our Lenten sermon series this morning, Their Story, Our Story. And we are reading the story of the man born blind receiving new sight. So the scripture is John 9, verses 1 to 39. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that thou, though I was blind... Now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? 
Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and, are, and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Now, as I read this story, I thought about all the ways people have invented to help us see things differently or more clearly. I wear glasses, like some of you, in order to be able to read and to see details I wouldn't be able to see without them. When you think about just how eyeglass lenses themselves have changed over the years with bifocals and trifocals and all the different coatings to keep glare and other things from affecting our vision, it's pretty amazing. Telescopes have been around for centuries and allow us to see far away from our own planet and unimaginable discoveries have been made through them. Kaleidoscopes are one of my favorite inventions and we can use these to look at changing colors and shapes and ways that with each turn of the kaleidoscope will never be seen the same way again. As a former science teacher, I have to give a shout out to microscopes as well. These have given us the ability to see things so small that we couldn't otherwise see. And that helps us understand things like the coronavirus that is affecting us all in such a huge way right now. Innovations have come to help people with severe sight challenges see colors and people they previously only were able to hear. We've only always known the ability to see and see clearly is a very precious gift. I, for one, can't imagine life without being able to see a sunset or the faces of my children. And so we, well, at least I, love to read the stories of Jesus helping someone blind to see. It's a rather interesting story, though pretty unique among the giving sight to the blind stories of Jesus. For one, this man doesn't even ask to be healed. He doesn't even seem to know anything about Jesus other than his name. The disciples first point him out. Probably they noticed him because he was a beggar, and most of the time, blindness was easy to spot. Jesus, they ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a common belief at the time that loss of sight or other normal human functions was a judgment from God, that this had happened to them because they had done something wrong. It was an honest question then to think that sin was somehow involved. And since this man was born blind and couldn't possibly have done something before his birth that caused his judgment, it had to be the parents, right? Today, we wouldn't ask that sort of question though, right? We know that God doesn't punish people this way, right? Or do we? Actually, I believe we still, in the depths of our hearts sometimes, believe there must be a reason for people not being normal in the sense of how a body works. Is it a test? 
It is, a, is it a punishment of the child born with the birth defect or their parents? Why would God do that to one of his children whom he says he loves? They must have done something. I see this kind of thinking too when natural or unnatural disasters come. During the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, I can't tell you how many times I heard it was God's judgment on New Orleans for their moral depravity. After 9-11, I can't tell you how many times I heard we were being punished for taking God out of schools and pushing God out of our lives. And with this global pandemic, you can be assured that these same kind of statements are going around. First, it had to be the lack of Christian faith and the oppression of the Christians in China that caused this outbreak. Then, as it spread around the world, we've heard that this is God's way of judging us for our lack of faith, our lack of concern for his creation, our lack of care and compassion for one another. Judgment and wrath are always the most likely causes of all these things. So the disciples really aren't alone in their thinking. But Jesus, as he always does, tries to change how they think about cause and effect, especially in these situations. He tells them, neither this man nor his parents sinned, He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Well, I don't know what the disciples first thought about what Jesus says here, but my first thought was, so God did this on purpose so that one day after a lifetime of struggle and hardship, Jesus could come along, heal him, and like a basketball player getting a shot from across the court, have a bunch of people standing up and cheering for this miracle? Is this just about God wanting to show off? Hey, look, I just gave this man born blind his sight back. Aren't I awesome? If that's true, then all the bad things that happen to us that we struggle through are really only so that when God shows up and makes everything right again, we will all stand up and cheer and pump up God's ego as he shows us once again that he can do infinitely more than any one of us could ever do. While at first glance, Jesus does seem to be saying something like that. When we look deeper into what he says here, it actually is not like that at all. And I, for one, am grateful because I just couldn't have faith in a God who randomly hands out disasters and challenges for no reason other than to make himself look good when he fixes them. So what does he mean by what he says when he says? He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. It's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. But before we get to that, let's get through the other important parts of this story. It is unique in the healing stories because of some interesting differences. First, as I said before, he didn't ask for healing. All the other accounts of sight being restored come from the request of someone asking for it, either the person directly or from someone related to them. Second, Jesus uses mud and spit to heal him. Other accounts have Jesus simply touching them or speaking to them, and one instance of plain spit, but this is the only one with mud and spit. Why this is important, I'm not exactly sure, but it does make it different. Thirdly, the only one who seems to be happy that he has his sight is him. No one is in awe of this miracle praising God that he can see. The crowds want to know how and who, but seem to only be concerned to figure out if this is the same guy they've seen here begging every day. They can't even tell for sure. His parents don't even seem to be happy about it. They seem to be upset that this could get them thrown out of the synagogue. The Pharisees are only concerned with how it happened and that it happened on a Sabbath. 
So while every other healing story has some sort of rejoicing or happiness or awe about the actual miracle, this man has to convince the crowds, his parents, and the Pharisees that a miracle has even taken place and that he sees it, no pun intended, as a good thing. This man, who has never seen the light of day, seen colors or faces, clothes, stars, or anything at all, can suddenly see all of those things, and he can't even enjoy the moment, as he is forced to defend himself, defend Jesus, and his very right to be healed. He didn't ask for it, but Jesus healed him. Why would anyone be upset about that? But by the end of our story, nothing really changes in that regard. The parents distance themselves from him. The Pharisees throw him out. And I imagine that the crowds that were used to seeing him begging every day won't even notice that he's not there anymore. Some other beggar will take his spot, so they'll throw money in the cup and move on without even seeing that there's a different person in need standing there now. Because this is what this story is about anyway. Our sight our ability to see. Their story is our story. But the question of the day is out of all those characters, whose story will be ours? There's an interesting progression of sight in this man born blind. First, he is totally blind in the physical sense, but he is also totally blind in regards to Jesus. He doesn't see him or know anything about who he is at all. We've talked about prevenient grace, the grace of God calling us into a relationship with him before we even know who God is. And this is a perfect example. Jesus is calling him to know him, to have faith in him. And he makes a mud pack to put on his eyes. He gives him a simple instruction to go and wash himself in the pool of Siloam. Here is where the man gets the choice. To respond to the call Jesus makes on his life. Will he go or not? He chooses to put his faith in Christ. And because he does that, he now can see. He puts it bluntly in front of the Pharisees. I was blind, but now I see. John Newton took this line and made one of our most treasured songs of our faith. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. But what does that mean? Did it mean that he could see people, places, and things? Yes, but it also means that he could see Jesus, and everything was coming into focus more and more. This man born blind. To him, Jesus goes from being just a person, simply a man who made a mud pack and asked him to wash, to being a prophet when he was talking to the Pharisees, and then finally seeing him as the Son of Man and calling him Lord. And he worshipped him. His sight, both physical and spiritual, was fully restored, and he was complete and whole. So back to the question. What did Jesus mean that he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him? Now, I know some people won't agree with me, and I'm okay with that. But I don't believe God sends these problems and disasters for us to deal with, either as a punishment or a test. Maybe 
since I do believe God forms us in our wombs, I believe he knows that some of us will have challenges that others won't have. I also believe that some of those challenges are caused by human sin or actions, like the thalidomide babies, like our drug-addicted babies, babies born with defects due to radiation from nuclear bombs and other issues that can arise from our poor choices. I don't believe that God sends natural disasters as a form of punishment. I see them as a part of creation or also as events caused by human actions like pollution, cutting down rainforests and overhunting and fishing. If God sent these challenges in order that we would stand up and cheer when he fixed them, then wouldn't he fix all of them in a mighty, miraculous way? But since that doesn't really happen, what does it mean? Jesus said to his disciples, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We need light to see. No matter what kind of instrument or tool we've developed or invented to help us see better, without light, they are useless. Faith allows us to see Jesus for who he really is. And when that happens, we will do what he has called us to do in the world. God sent Jesus to help us see what is really important. And our faith gives us the ability to see the world in a new way. With Jesus as the light of the world. The word works is key here. In John 6:25, Jesus is asked, What must we do to perform the works of God? He answers, Believe in him who he has sent. He says to the disciples in John 14, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these. James reminds us that faith without works is a dead faith, not really faith at all. And what are those greater works? Revelation 2.19, in the letter to the church in Thyatira, God says, I know your works, your love, faith, and patient endurance. Love, faith, and patient endurance, all marks of a Christian, one who follows Jesus Christ. This man born blind had endured this challenge for his entire life. Yet once he was able to see, he gave glory to God, not just in words, but in his works. He patiently endured the questions and doubts. He endured the lack of happiness of his parents and the disdain and rejection of the Pharisees. And he was boldly able to claim his faith and love. He could see what was important in life and could stop focusing on the problems and start living his life. His parents and the Pharisees, well, not all of them, but some of them, remained blind to the gifts of life all around them as the story played out. They could only see that their definition of life was being threatened, that the rules were being broken. But some of those Pharisees actually came to see faith and Jesus in a new light as this man professed what he knew. In our lives, suffering happens. And at this moment in history, I can't believe anyone will argue with that with me. 
But even in the midst of all the chaos, the life-changing disasters going on, if we would just take a look around with our eyes of faith, we will be able to see things we would never have been able to see without this problem that we face now. The Pharisees were focused on the law. The parents were focused on their status. They couldn't see what was right in front of them. The very thing this man was testifying to in his life, the very thing that gave him new life and the gift of sight. As people of faith, what can we see in this time of trial? In Wuhan, China, where this outbreak first started, it is said that the skies are clean and they can hear the birds singing for the first time in many years because they aren't able to drive and they're not able to be outside for long. In Venice, Italy, people can see the bottom of the canals, even seeing fish swimming because all boat traffic has stopped. Workaholics are having to stop and really see their families, spend time with them. And we seem to have forgotten about the very things we argued about only a week ago that threatened to divide us. Maybe we can finally see that we need each other, that we're all in this together. Maybe we can see that what we own is not as important as caring for one another and loving each other through this crisis. I, for one, can see how important human touch is to my spiritual well-being. I miss being able to gather together the hugs, the handshakes, the smiles, and I can see how important each one of you is to me, even if I've never seen you in person. I say it all the time, but now more than ever, I can see that we need each other, that we're all important and have value. It's a hard way to learn that lesson for sure, but I do believe that God, although not directly causing this virus, uses every opportunity to bring something good into even the most dire situations. Romans 8:28. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Our faith has given us new sight. We must work the works of God who sent his son Jesus to us. That means looking around and seeing what God is doing in the midst of this crisis. That means acts of love for those around us or that we can reach via the internet or by phone. That means patient endurance until this is over. I don't believe God sent this virus to plague us. What I do believe is that God takes these events and works them for good to show us what true love really looks like. He walks with us and gives us the tremendous choice to show the world what it means that we believe Jesus is Lord of our lives, to reveal God to the world through our works, our acts of faith, love, and patient endurance as we testify to our faith in Christ. What do we see when we look around in the world? Do we see God in action through his people? Do we see the awesome way our earth was created by stopping to take a look at its beauty? Do we reflect the love of God in how we respond, in how we care for each other? 
Right now, at this moment in time, we too have the ability to give sight to the blind. Let us show the world that the love of God is real and it lives in each one of us. Then stand back and watch the love of God make those who are blind to the love of Jesus see. Amen.